Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey, we're going to start a new season. I, I, I said that season, not series today. We're going to start a new season encountering Jesus through the book of Mark. We are going to be spending the next four months, the next 16 weeks, digging into the book of Mark, the expedient gospel, the quick, fast gospel. And I don't know about you, but I am sick of the news. I'm sick of the bad news. Right, I'm sick of the bad news. I'm sick of every time I open up Facebook, there's another thing for me to be frustrated about. Right? I don't know about you, but every time I pull up my stories on Instagram, I'm like, oh, another issue, another struggle. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of the bad, bad news. But I'm here to tell you today that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as someone who is seated in the heavenly places with Jesus, there is really good, 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 good news for you and me. And we can be anchored in this hope that we have in Christ. There is always good news for God's beloved. Come on are you with me? And so we are going to be entering into this season, this series called Good, Good News. And I'm, I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to warn you, there's going to be a lot of bad news coming. The news is going to get worse. Just wait till November. The news is getting worse and worse and worse. And throughout the rest of 2020, it's probably not going to get better. But can I tell you today that you can shine brighter. You can shine brighter even in the darkness because you are clinging to this great hope we have in Jesus, this great king who promises to bring us good, good news. And so that's what we're calling this season. We're jumping into it. We hope you will get into it with us. And uh, we're going to be producing and pushing content every Tuesday and Thursday online. We have a, a special place, a space online that we're going to be, that we've got bloggers and we've got people that are going to be doing video, our social content, all that stuff is going to be pushed. We're really going to be focused every week because Mark 16 chapters every week, we're going to be focused in on a chapter in the book of Mark. And you guys have heard me talk about reading your Bible before. And some of you guys are, are reading your Bible like it's a, like it's a, 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 like a sprint. Like you're trying to get through the scriptures, right, in a year. I'm just going to read my Bible through a year. It would be awesome if you did that. But I would, I would encourage you to do this. Just dig deep into the Word of God, right? We measure our depth in the Word of God by, by deepness and richness, not by the length. Right? And so so stop measuring your Bible reading like that. So we're just going to take a chapter a week, and, and we've got some additional reading that we'll be providing for you if you want to complement that and supplement that. But I would encourage you to read one chapter seven days a week or seven times a day. Right? And just get in, get into the Word, as we say. Get into the Word until the Word gets into you. And so we're going to be focused around that. Our app will be updated this week. And so you can just click on that link or just go to our website and click the little newspaper. It'll be right there. It'll be all ready for you. So we're, we're entering in to the book of Mark. Now let's talk about Mark real quick. Let's talk about the, the author of Mark, right? Mark is, is oftentimes referred to as John Mark. Right, John Mark. John Mark. Some some people call him Mark the Evangelist. And and Mark was a guy that was really tight with Peter. In fact, he was so tight with Peter, some people call the book of Mark or the Gospel of Mark the Gospel of Peter. Because Mark got his information from Peter. And so Mark hung out a lot with Paul and Barnabas and some of their missionary journeys. And Mark is what's called one of the synoptic gospels. Everybody says synoptic gospels. 
So if you want to impress your friends this week, just say, you know, it says in one of the synoptic gospels, the gospel of Mark. Doesn't that sound educated? You can act like you're a theologian. And so just say a synoptic gospel. And that just means it's really similar to, to the other gospels except for John. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because most of the, the narratives in the story are very similar and very close. And so one of the themes in the book of Mark is this word called immediately. Everybody say immediately. In fact, 40 times the Greek word for immediately that we we would translate immediately, sometimes it's used in in different words, but that same Greek word is used 40 times in the book of Mark. Now, it's a short book, and you're going to see today in our reading, it's like immediately, immediately. It's the the hustling gospel. It's the gospel that, that gets through the content quickly. It is moving along really fast. In fact, that word, 70 percent of the time it's used in the New Testament is used in the book of Mark. So it's crazy. This is a fast book. It's high pace. It kind of, kind of reminds us of Peter a little bit, right? Just kind of like, let's go, let's go. And so, so this, is, this is the gospel of Mark. And it starts off with this, Mark chapter 1. Now, you should have this on your notes in your app or, or on the, the note sheet as you walked in. We got our paper note sheets back. So if you've got those, you can pull those out so you can take notes. And we'd encourage you that. We're going to be giving away some books of Mark today. So we're excited about that. And it says this in chapter 1, the beginning, and I love this. We could just preach right here. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus. I mean, we could camp right there for a week. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, and he moves on. Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now this is speaking of John the Baptist and it jumps in quickly. Here we go. John appeared, shows up on the scene, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. How many know that that the way makers, those that prepare the way, they don't have an easy way. They don't have an easy message. They don't have a feel-good message. He's saying, listen, he's going out. He's in the wilderness. He's, he's declaring to anyone that will listen. Come on, rocks and sticks and a few maybe homeless people that are out there homeless with John the Baptist in his, in his crazy look. And he's just going, here I am to prepare the way. Repent. Turn from your sins. Come into this new life. And he's baptizing people in the desert. I mean, he's a wild man. So it says, and all the, the, the country of Judea and all Jerusalem are going out to him and were being baptized in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Did you know that when revival comes, when the king comes, the precursor of that is people getting right. It is people confessing their sin. It's not people being more confident in their wickedness. It's being more aware of their wickedness and saying, oh, man, see, when, when the Lord comes, it's not like, it's not always like mushy, like, oh, oh, I'm just so glad you're here. Sometimes it's like, oh, <laughs> you're holy and I'm not. I mean, sometimes when I'm in worship, it's not just like, oh, I just feel you. I just need this moment. Sometimes the moment is like, oh, my God. You are holy and I'm not. How can I be in this moment? Right? Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and honey. So he had a different diet, 
Come on, he looked different. He was wild. And he preached. He preached. He didn't teach. (laughs) Come on. He wasn't a motivational speaker. He preached, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I am nothing. I must decrease. I baptize you with water, again, for repentance. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One of the other gospels says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm baptizing you with water. Jesus is going to baptize you with fire. There's a lot there. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, Jordan is the place of transition. So here's Jesus living his life, doing his thing. We don't know much about Jesus up until this point. A few stories about his childhood and his, and his birthing and these type of things. We just have a little glimpse. But here Jesus shows up on the scene before John the Baptist, this wild, filthy man that has a strange diet. And he's like, listen, I need you to baptize me. And they're actually cousins. So they know one another. He's like, John, is, John, John knew about Jesus. He knew that Jesus was, was showing up on the scene. He knew that he wasn't even worthy to, to untie his shoes. And he goes to John. He said, because you're preparing the way, what I want you to do is I want you to baptize me. Now, this is interesting, right? Because, because the gospel starts off with baptism. And it ends with baptizers, right? The scripture says that we're supposed to go and we're supposed to baptize people. So the gospel begins with a baptizer and ends with baptizers, So why did Jesus get baptized? Now, understand this about baptism. I'm going to cover a little bit of ground here because we do baptisms every month. And if you haven't been baptized since you've come clean before the Lord, then you need to do that. Somebody here would love to baptize you in the last Sunday of the month. And so baptism, it wasn't just reserved for Christians. And we think, you know, baptism is a Christian thing. You know, we, we think dunk or sprinkle, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or the name of Jesus, right? That's, what we, that's all of our theology on baptism. But understand this, that baptism wasn't just something that was exclusive for Christians, it, and it wasn't just exclusive for Jews. Baptism was a symbol that says, I am coming clean of the way that I'm living into a new way. So any religion at the time, if you were changing religions, you would do some sort of initiation ceremony, which is what baptism is, of saying, you know what, I'm cleansing myself of the old life and I'm moving into the new life. It's what Paul talks about. And so the reason why Jesus was baptized wasn't because he was being cleansed of something, but because something was being initiated. So you need it. Some of you, you've come to the Lord. God's been doing some things in your life, but some things haven't been initiated. I would say the answer is baptism baptism. And so God wants to do something in your life. Now, baptism doesn't save you. And that's where people think, no, no, no. Saved people get baptized. So you can be, you can be saved and not be baptized, but you can't be obedient to Jesus and not be baptized. So if you haven't done that, you need to do that because baptism is a, is a public initiation demonstrating a signing up. I'm in this thing. I'm cleansing myself from my old life, my old path, and I'm entering into this new thing. So, again, Jesus was initiating what? A new way. He wasn't, he didn't have any sins he needed to get rid of. He was just saying, listen, this is the new way. I'm showing you the example. This is how you get there. And so it says this in verse 10. We continue. And he came up out of the water immediately, 
and he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Get this. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The voice of the father coming down. We see the Trinity right here, right? The Holy Spirit coming down, Jesus being baptized, and then the father speaking. Now, what I love about the father speaking here is that he's, he's putting his approval on Jesus. He's endorsing Jesus. He's saying, this is the one that I'm sending. Not will just a prophet declare who he is. God himself said, listen, he's the one. This is my son, and I'm pleased. Listen, before Jesus preached a message, before he produced a following, before he performed a miracle, he was affirmed and approved by his father. Let me say that again because I think you missed that. Before Jesus preached a message, before he produced a following, come on, before he performed a miracle, he was affirmed and approved by his father. Did you know before you ever did anything that God looked at you and he said, that's my son, I'm pleased. See, the reason why Jesus came is because God was pleased. We think he was just angry. He was angry, but God can be pleased and angry at the same time. He's not like you. So God looked at you with favor, and he said, I want you. I approve of you. I affirm of you, so I'm sending Jesus because you're not enough in your own state, so I'll make you right. And some of you have been living from this place that I've got to preach the message. I've got to perform the miracle. I've got to produce the following to get God's affirmation. That's not the case. This is the gospel. We get the good news on the front end. And the good news is God loves you. God likes you. He's in love with you. He's really into you. He's really, come on. God is really into you. He's for you. And this is why he sends Jesus. I love the gospel. Because it's not about what I do. It's about his yes over my life. And me falling into agreement with that. But also before Jesus was approved, or before he moves into ministry, before he does anything, he was tested, right? So it says this in the, in, in the next portion of scripture right there. It says that he was led by the Spirit of God in the wilderness to be tested. Now, some of you are being tested right now in your life, and you're blaming the devil for it. And God's going, I, I did, I'm, I'm testing you. I'm, I'm going to check out to see if what I've done in your life and what I've spoken over your life is going to produce fruit. Let's see. God didn't, God, didn't, God didn't put the desert there just for Jesus to be tempted. Come on, God, God didn't put the devil in the desert, but God led him into this season so Jesus could prove himself. So testing is just like you would test if you went into school. Do, do, do you know the information? Do you know who you are? And this was the great test of Jesus. Who are you if you're the son of God? If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God. Questioning what the father had just said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When you go through the trial, will you be able to say, I belong to God? I'm his. This is the test. And your answer will be yes, because God said it. He spoke it over my life and he says it in his word. John 1, Mark 1. We're in Mark, not John. Mark 1, verse 14 through 15. Now, this is our, our text. You say, wow, you've been preaching for a minute to get to the text. Here it is. A lot, a lot of content. Now, after John was arrested, 
Jesus came into Galilee pre- proclaiming or preaching, both words are interchangeable there, the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the message. Jesus comes preaching. Jesus comes preaching. See, Jesus, Jesus comes preaching. And many, many like what Jesus did, but they don't necessarily like what he said. Right? We like him when he supports our cause because of something he did. Right? Sometimes what he did was turn over tables. Some people like to quote that to justify their ill behavior, by the way. Right? So we focus on what Jesus did, but ignore what he said. I would suggest this. What he did was to confirm what he said. What he said about himself. What he said about his message. The works were there to confirm the words. See, before he brought a work or a wonder, he brought a word. Before he brought a work or a wonder, he brought a word. He brought a word. Listen, God's got a word for you. Some of you think you need breakthrough in your life. Maybe what you need before the breakthrough is the word. Maybe you need to get into the word. Maybe you need to know what God says. So before he brought a work or a wonder, he brought a word. And this was the word. Not just a single word, but a word. Like I got a word today. Jesus is much better than that. And he says this, the time is fulfilled. This is the word. This is what he's preaching. The time is here. The time is fulfilled. The kairos moment. That word in the Greek, the kairos, this is a, a time or a season appointed by God. Have you ever been at a, at a time in your se- or a season in your life and you go, oh, it's God. And you knew it was the Lord. It's a kairos moment. This, Jesus is saying it. He's like, it's here. This is the divine appointment. The New Living Translation says it this way. The time promised by God has come at last. The time that God has promised has come at last. Can I tell you, the time that God promised has been fulfilled in Jesus. The greatest thing, we say this a lot, the greatest thing that God could ever do, he already did on the cross. He already did at the resurrection. So what had been prophesied for thousands of years, what had been proclaimed and declared by the prophets, the fulfillment of the law, the purpose of this whole system of living, for a couple thousand years, Jesus says, it's being fulfilled. Here I am. The king is here. And I'm here to fulfill all the things that y'all been talking about. All the things that y'all been dreaming about. All the ways that you've been living about. Here I am to fulfill it. The time is fulfilled. I, I love Galatians chapter 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that are under the law, that he would put forth his spirit into our hearts that we could go Abba, Father. This is the word. The time is here. Jesus is saying it. The time is here. The time has come. Then he makes this statement. The kingdom of God is at hand. The dominion of a king. The dominion of a government. Establishment of the reign. The thing that I promised David. The thing that I promised Adam in the garden. All that. It's being fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? It means it's within reach. It means it's, it's right in front of you. It means, it means that you can take hold of it. See, the kingdom of God isn't in heaven far away that you can't see. The kingdom of God is within you. 
The kingdom of God was within reach. See, God's dominion, God's dominion is within reach in your life. See, the dominion over sickness is within reach. The dominion over barrenness is within reach. The dominion over lack is within reach because the king is here. Because the king is here. The kingdom is here because the king is here. And he brought heaven with him. On earth as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no bondage in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. The king is here. And he brought heaven with him on the earth. I'm preaching hard today. So because the king is here, we understand this. That we don't just get a kingdom, we get a king. And some people want the kingdom without the king. It just don't work that way. You've got to yield to the king. You've got to yield to his supervision. You've got to yield to his government. You've got to have faith in that government. Come on, he's, he's the one that we serve. He's the one that we declare our allegiance towards. He's, he's the priority. There's so much talk about, you know, what side are you on? Right? What side of the issue are you on? What side of the political aisle are you on? You know whose side I'm on? I'm on Jesus' side. I don't pledge my allegiance to America. I don't pledge my allegiance even to Texas, as beautiful and great as she is. I pledge my allegiance to Jesus. He's the one that I serve. And because I serve him well, I'll be a good American. And I'll be a really good Texan. (laughs) But he's the one that we serve. We We don't serve any isms. Capitalism, come on, liberalism, leftism, rightism, whatever ism, whatever ism has to bow to the kingdomism. The king is here. He's the one that we serve. And you, some of you are so caught up in your political mindset, you don't think twice about what God thinks. I see a post. I see your, the emphasis of your life. The king is here. He's the one we worship. He's the, his, his agenda is the agenda that I can get behind. And this is the awesome thing about Jesus being king. He don't need your vote. He wants your surrender. He don't need your vote. He wants your surrender to this new way. This new way. And it's a different way because Jesus shows up and many people reject him as king because he's not living like most of the kings are. Because most of the kings are like bow or die. Serve me or die. And Jesus comes up and he says this, Matthew 28, 28, 20, 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow, what a king. What a kingdom. What an upside down kingdom. A kingdom where you, where you don't kill your enemies, you love them. Where you don't fight your opponents, you hug them. You return good for evil. You're benevolent, you're kind to those who are against you. This is the kind of kingdom Jesus brings. This is what it looks like. So how? How do we respond to this king? How How do we receive this kingdom? Because you weren't born into it. Not because you were born in America or even in Texas. 
Some people think I'm, I'm born in America, I'm a Christian. I was raised in church, I'm a Christian. No, you're not born into it. Listen, and you're not entitled to it. And get this, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve the kingdom of God. If you think you deserve it, you missed it. That's why Jesus said, listen, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are needy. Theirs is the kingdom. Are you needy? Are you needy? Are you longing? So we're not born with it. We're not entitled to it, but it's available. This kingdom is available to us. This king is available to us. And then he gives us how it's available. And he gives us this word that we don't like. Repent. Oh, Jesus. Hold up, Lord. I mean, this is what he's preaching. He's not just like, guys, you know, he's going to kind of put a little subtle hint in here. No, he's preaching. The kingdom is here. You want it? Repent. Repent. He's got a big repent sign. (laughs) You're laughing, but it's true. This is his message. Don't just think of it as just John the Baptist's message. Listen, Jesus was the double of John the Baptist. He was the double portion of John the Baptist. Jesus was preaching repentance way louder than John the Baptist was. And he was preaching it to everyone. Matthew 4, 17. He began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. I know you don't like talking about sin, but the reality is, is God doesn't like it that you sin. And he wants you to turn from it through repentance. Metanoia, right? Which means this, a deep and fundamental shift in thinking. What does it mean to repent? A deep, deep in the recesses of your thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. A deep and fundamental shift in thinking. That's what repentance means. Well, does it mean turning from sin or changing your mind? Yes. Because if you change your mind, your life will follow. It's a change of allegiance. It's a change of consciousness. It's a change of allegiance. It's a change of a point of view. Not a point of view that you came up with or that you think's good. It's a point of view that he has. Have you repented? Let me ask you this. Have you changed your mind yet? Have you changed your mind yet? This is the message of Jesus. When he comes to you and says, my kingdom is here, have you changed your mind yet? Well, I was raised this way. Have you changed your mind yet? I like doing this. This isn't a sin. Have you changed your mind yet? God is mean. Have you changed your mind yet? God is soft. Have you changed your mind yet? Balance isn't about the sum of parts, by the way. It's about the whole. God is all that. He is soft and tender and gracious and compassionate. He is also just and righteous and hates sin, hates it, and calls us to do the same. So he's saying, will you change your mind? Will you change your mind about yourself? Will you change your mind about your path? Will you change your point of view? It's what he's after. He's after for a change of mind. Because when you change your mind, you change your heart. And when your heart is changed, it changes your life. Change your mind, change your life. 
we have this thing that we carry around called guilt. Right? Am I the only one that ever feels guilt? No, I just feel totally fine about whatever I do. <laughs> Listen, I hope from time to time you feel guilt. I'm not talking about shame. I'm not talking about leaving you there. But I hope when you do something wrong that you haven't snuffed out the Holy Spirit enough that you think that he's okay with something that's wrong. I hope that when you do something wrong, you feel bad about it. And I hope you feel bad about it enough to come to God and go, I'm changing my mind on that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm feeling different. See, guilt can actually be your friend. Because guilt, the feeling of guilt reminds you that, hey, I'm guilty. However, we have a great justifier who's kind and compassionate and loves us. And he says, you know what I like to do? I like to take the guilty and I like to make them innocent. But he doesn't make the innocent innocent. He only makes the guilty innocent. Change your mind, change your life. Matthew 3, 8. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Have you changed your mind? Number four is believe. Believe. Repent. Change your mind and believe. What's he saying? He's saying it's not about your effort anymore. It's not about your works anymore. I want you to change your stinking thinking, right? You need brainwashing. I need you to change your thinking, and I need you instead of just thinking your way in and thinking your way of everything out, I want you to take that, and I want you to believe. Believe. Not like you believe in a Disney princess or the Tooth Fairy or in Santa Claus. No, no, no. It means that you put faith in, that you entrust and trust Jesus, and trust Jesus that he took care of your sins. Trust Jesus that he's the great king, and there's not another king worth serving. Will you trust him, that he is who he says he is, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, that he is the resurrection in the life? Would you believe that? Would you believe? John three fifteen. whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Guess who said that? God. God said it in his scriptures. So, oh, you're saying anybody believes in Jesus? I'm saying God says it right here. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So we trust him. We invest. We believe him for who he is and what he says. And number number five, the fifth thing is this, that Jesus says. So he says this, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. He came preaching. The kingdom of God is at hand. You want to get it? Repent. Believe. Believe what? Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Jesus went preaching. What was he preaching? Do better, do more? No. See, we only like the message, do better, do more, when it suits us. When we're doing what we think Jesus emphasizes. He went preaching. What was he preaching? Do better, do more? No. He came preaching, repent and believe the good, good news. The gospel. Repent, change your thinking, and believe, trust this gospel. Trust the message that I'm bringing. The gospel, the old English word is this, God's spell. Automatically, we think of that movie that was made like in the early 80s. 
if you've ever seen that. <clears throat> if you haven't, you probably should. It's fun. Maybe. Maybe you should watch it. Maybe not. I don't know. What was he preaching? He was preaching the good news. Jesus didn't come bringing bad news. And some people think that. He can't move. Bad news. Flipping over tables. Right? Good news. It's good news that he flipped over tables, by the way. Really good news. The word for gospel in the Greek is this word, evangelion. Evangelion. And that word is taken from the time when an empire like the Romans would be at war with another nation. And in those days, they didn't have internet. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't have printing presses. What they did have is they had heralders or messengers. And these were people that were swift on their feet. They could run. And so what they would do is they would run news to the king, back to the people. This is how communication happened. It was high-speed internet, right? I mean, just running. And so what would happen when, when two nations were at war, you would have a messenger that would go and communicate what was happening on the battle lines. So you have this image of this messenger, mm. this messenger running. And when he sees people at the distance, whenever he sees that they're near, he starts yelling out, Evangelion, Evangelion. He's saying, good news. Good news for the battlefield. The war is being won. So when Jesus comes preaching this gospel, he's saying, listen, I'm here. The battle is won. The time of waiting is over. Here I am. Evangelion. Repent and believe the good news. The battle is won. This is the good, good news. It's better than you imagine. It's better than you think Jesus brings good Good news. And let me suggest this to you today. That he didn't just come to preach the gospel. He is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the one with the report from heaven saying, the battle has been won. The battle has been won. It's the announcement of a new reign. It's the announcement of a new kingdom. Good news! And it gets louder the closer they get. Mark 1, 35. We're almost done. I'm burning up. Literally. Well, maybe not. Literally. Kind of literally. literally. And rising very early in the morning. Well, Jesus is a morning person. I'm trying to be like Jesus. Well, it was still dark. <laughs> it was hard. It's hard, Jesus. He departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. A lonely place where nobody was around when it was dark. Where he could be with his father with no distractions, no cell phone. Come on, up before his kids. Because he needed to pray. And Simon, Peter, and those who were with him searched for him. Where is he at? And they found him. They found him. Everyone is looking for you. You love that. People are looking for Jesus. They're looking. They're looking for him. 
Have you found him? Do you have the message, this gospel? Good news, good news. And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I might preach. There it is again. There it is again. Preach. See, the main mission of Jesus was to preach. We love the miracles. We love the feeding of the poor. We love the social things that he did. But he preached. John preached. Don't underestimate the preaching. More doing and less talking. Not according to Jesus. Both. That I may preach there for this is why I came out. (laughs) And he went through all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Come on. A great place to cast out demons in the synagogues. And a leper came to him, imploring him. Now, you know the lepers aren't supposed to show up around clean people. Kneeling, said to him, if you will, make me clean. Jesus, I'm going to keep my distance from you. I know that if I touch you, you'll be unclean. So if you're willing, will you make me clean? Move with pity, compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched. It's not permitted to touch what is unclean. Yet Jesus reaches out and he touches the unclean one and said to him, I will. I am willing. Be clean. See what I love about Jesus? He's totally different than the law of the day because the law said if you touch a dirty thing, you get dirty. But with Jesus, when he touches a dirty thing, it gets clean. I will be clean. And immediately, immediately, there's that word, immediately. One of the 40 times it's used right there, immediately, as soon as Jesus touches him. Jesus doesn't have to go into a ceremonial cleansing to get clean. No, no, no. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. See what I love about this story. The whole book of Mark is that every time Jesus shows up at one of these encounters, he's a messenger. He's a messenger. And he's going, I got really, really good news for you. You're brokenhearted. I've got really good news for you. I specialize in human hearts. If you're sick, I've got good news for you. I am the great physician. I've got really good news for you. I take care of healing. You're in bondage. Good news. I've got really good news. I came to set the captives free. If you're dirty, if you are guilty, if you're even ridden with shame, Jesus says, good news. I've got really good news for you. I've got really, really good news for you. I remove shame. I remove guilt. I remove bondage. I remove sickness. I remove lack. I've got good news. Are you alone? Are you afraid? Are you weak? Do you feel like you can't hang on? Jesus says this. You are not alone. You are not alone. Through tragedy, through triumph, You are not alone. The King is here.
Thank you.